Well, I don't know if it's a motley crew or not, but it's the crew today <laughs> that is joining us for once again your KRVN midday. And I mentioned the other day about something being a motley crew and then started singing one of their songs, and the millennial that I was talking to had no idea what I was talking about. Dave Schroeder, that's right up your alley with that good music there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, we do, the, we do the best we can with what we got. Susan Littlefield joining us once again. And Susan, there's the old song about, uh, you know, sing a little song in Mexico, and maybe our ag secretary will be singing a couple songs while he's down there trying to do some good work for us. You never know. Of course, he's been on a trade mission for the last three days, which is kind of interesting with the big push that we're seeing with USMCA and wanting to get this passed before this legislative session is done. So Chappelle is going to bring us up to date on all of that at 1245. Rewind a little bit to 1219. Everybody's about the weather. It sounds like we're going to have some decent weather tomorrow, but don't hold your breath after that. We'll find out more coming with Al Dutcher. And then wrapping it all up at 117. U.S. Meat Export Federation held a news conference earlier this week. We know that there's been some protests and some issues with Hong Kong. Wondering how much is that going to affect our exports of our meats? So we'll find out more coming from Clay at 117. Susan, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, which means I'm about to put you on the spot here. But (laughs) in uh, 10 seconds, what does your gut tell you about getting USMCA passed? Not going to happen. Fair enough. (laughs) I mean, that's just my gut right now. It will happen. Just I don't see it happening in the next 16 days that are left in this legislative session. That's fair enough. Susan Littlefield, thank you much. We'll look forward to all those reports coming up. Scott Foster sitting in for the busier and a bird dog, Jason Jorgensen. Big game down in McCool tonight. And then uh, UNK on the road. Oh, yeah, and by the way, state softball and lots of state football as well. State, state volleyball as well as lots of state football as well. Yeah, it is a busy time for sure. Lots of things going on. Of course, a couple local teams lost yesterday in State Volleyball, Trans and Overton losing in, in good matches. A couple have already taken place at PBA today in Class D. It was uh, Cedar, what we used to call Hardington Cedar Catholic, Cedar Catholic High School losing to Diller Hotel. And uh, unfortunately for Pleasanton, their run is uh, to get a state championship is over. They lost in four sets to defending state champion Fremont Bergen. And, uh, you know, Bergen's just really, really good. So Pleasanton will play tomorrow uh, at 1 o'clock for the third place game. And you mentioned the six-man A, B, C1, C2, and six-man playoffs all take place today. We will have... Eustace Farnham trying to finish out their storybook season. Last season as a football team, going to try to finish that off as they uh, take on McCool Junction today. Pre-game starts at 3.50. Jason Jorgensen and Gene Curtis on the call of that one, so you don't want to miss that. Had the distinct privilege of being on the broadcast team for the very last Elwood mm-hmm. football yep. game, and it was just one of those for somebody with a sense of history and a sense of what's going on in the state right now. It's something that I will always remember and something I even kept from my archives. Yeah, yeah it was, that's it's neat. Both those towns doing good. Dave Schroeder, stocks are down just a tick, and, of course, China trade talking about Yes, well, stocks are stumbling in part because of uncertainty about the uh, trade deal between the U.S. and China. And in fact, uh, President Donald Trump and a Chinese official are going back and forth a little bit on whether uh, the U.S. will be rolling back some of the tariffs that has been imposed on Chinese goods. Meanwhile, China's trade with the U.S. contracted again in October. And uh, so we'll have more information on that coming up in our business report. That's Dave, Susan, and Scott, and more coming up on Midday. Here's Dewey. 
Paul Perkins is going to have lots of friends, at least for the next day and a half, while the weather holds. And uh, then uh, bottom's going to fall out of the temperature market, and uh, it's going to be cold, cold, and even colder here in the early part of next week. Yeah, looking at highs in the 20s uh, for the coldest daytime highs as we head towards Monday. But, yeah, peaking out in the 70s for tomorrow. 50-degree swing in temperatures in just a matter of two days there. But uh, that's what it's like living uh, here in Nebraska and other places across the middle part of the continent. That's what makes the Great Plains so great, isn't it? <laughs> you betcha. All kinds of surprises that makes us tough here. You betcha. Tongue firmly planted in cheek. Here's the rest of your ag weather with Paul. Right now, most of our temperature is in the low and mid-40s across the area. We do have some mid and upper 50s as you head towards northeast Colorado, northwest Kansas. And also some mid and upper 50s on into north central Nebraska, on into the Nebraska Sand Hills. As warm as 57 right now in the Thedford area. No doubt the benefactor of some downslope westerly winds, but temperatures still as cool as the upper 30s towards Fall City and much of eastern areas of Kansas. Looking at sunshine for today, warmer conditions with seasonal temperatures as a warm front tracks to the east and a ridge of high pressure builds onto the plains. Just ahead of a strong cold front, tomorrow will be by far our warmest day in the next seven days. Temperatures tomorrow 15 to 20 degrees warmer than usual. Many of us expected to see highs well into the 70s. But Sunday and Monday, much colder with a surge of cold Arctic air plunging south with a chance that some light accumulating snow with that strong cold front. Accumulations are likely to be just around a dusting to an inch in most areas, but possibly up near two inches towards northern and western areas of Nebraska. But most of us not expected to see any kind of a, weight, wet, a major winter event with this system. Just a lot of cold air. A secondary push of cold air for Sunday night will keep our high temperatures on Monday in the 20s. After a midweek warm-up to seasonal temperatures, Thursday will be slightly cooler behind another cold front. Late next week or next weekend, we could see a return to some nicer, more seasonable weather with the ridge of high pressure building onto the plains. That hope for milder temperatures is reflected in the later part of the long-term forecast. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures are likely to be slightly colder than normal the mid to late part of next week, but temperatures should be seasonal or near normal in most of Nebraska and Kansas by next weekend through November 21st. Maybe some lingering cold hanging on into eastern areas. In mid-November, the central Nebraska daytime highs usually range in the upper 40s to low 50s with average overnight lows for in the mid-20s. The precipitation forecast continues to look mainly dry with below normal precipitation Wednesday through the 21st for Nebraska and Kansas. Key weather factors driving the markets include a strong cold wave from the central U.S. and widespread rain across Brazil. The next major surge of cold air will arrive across the northern plains and upper Midwest Sunday before overtaking nearly all areas from the Rockies all the way to the Atlantic seaboard by early next week. At the height of the cold wave, temperatures could fall below 32 as far south as southern Texas and the central Gulf Coast. The next few days, periods of snow will continue across the northern U.S. With cold air in the northern plains and Midwest, the harvest will be slow. Limited precipitation, though, will enable some harvest progress. In the southern plains, rain brought in some soil moisture benefit to southeastern portions this past week. The weather, though, turns drier and very cold the next seven days. Across Brazil, favorable rains for developing row crops are in the forecast the next seven days for all but the northeast crop areas. In Argentina, some light to moderate rain is forecast through the weekend. The western crop areas, especially Cordoba, definitely need some rain right now. Well, but I turn my microphone on there. Well, we've got... Uh 
quite the forecast coming up. It's going to be gorgeous and then cold and then maybe some snow and then warm up and then cold again and then warm up. Temperatures all over the board. It's the yo-yo pattern this time of the fall. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. You know, fall always kind of a pattern time period when you see that battle between winter and summer and we're going to see some major battles here over the next test. As few always, days. where can people go for the very latest in uh, farm market and weather information? KRVN.com. It's time again this week. We get to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, another nice week, except for maybe some cooler temps. But as far as harvest is concerned, another nice week of weather. What is the expectation, though, headed into this weekend and next week? Well, Shaley, it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, first of all, we're going to deal with some very warm temperatures in consideration from the past few weeks. This is going to seem exceptionally warm, but we do have at least some southerly breezes coming in, and we should see a very nice day in western Nebraska. I think it will be quite a few 60s, at least in the western one-third of the state. And we will see a lot of that spread eastward over the next 24 hours, and I suspect at least the southern half of the state will be well into into the 60s tomorrow with possibly upper 50s, low 60s north. We might even see some 70s, and depending on how strong the winds are, we may see that even a little bit warmer than that, particularly in the southwest part of the state. Of course, it's the opening day of deer season, so winds will become an issue, and they look like they were going to be generally in the 5 to 10 mile an hour range tomorrow, but we should start to see gusts increasing as the day progresses in response to a cold front that will be moving in from the northern plains and start entering the state during the late afternoon hours in the northwest and then progress through the state during the evening overnight hours. But the real push of cold there remains behind that front. And that is likely to come in closer to the sunrise period in northwest Nebraska and touch off some precipitation. QPF on this forecast has increased over the last 24 hours. And I'm not confident this is going to verify out because we're going to have to overwork some dry air at the surface. But basically, the best areas for accumulating snowfall greater than an inch looks to be that northern tier of counties, particularly west cent- or excuse me, northwest and north-central Nebraska, lesser amounts in northeast. And then it looks like there is a chance for up to an inch of snowfall for the remainder of the state. To be honest with you, I think that's going to be a little bit push on there unless we do see some fairly good convection taking place. Just a lot of dry air to overcome. But the bottom line is that ushers in some very cold air. And we are looking at several days where we may not even break the 30-degree mark across the state, particularly Monday and Tuesday. It's going to be a raw, windy day. And then we start to see a relaxation of the trough that brought that cold air in as it moves further toward the east and toward the northeast. And we'll start to see some of that ridging pattern from the west try to build into the region. We're still going to remain below normal, but we should start to rebound into the upper 30s north to lower to mid-40s south on Wednesday and possibly even on Thursday. And then we turn our attention to see whether or not that final cold push is reinforced or if everything shifts to the east and we start to see another warming trend Friday and Saturday, similar to what we're going to experience today and tomorrow, before we turn our attention to the west as another trough comes in. This one looks like it may change our overall pattern, particularly as we get toward the end of the month. Generally, seven days to ten days to get a trough coming into the western United States to have it move completely across into the center part of the country and really impact our weather. So if we take that into consideration, 
we're basically looking at that week before Thanksgiving or those few days before Thanksgiving would be the time that we would really start to see the weather break down significantly in the western United States. And, of course, we always worry about those big storms right around the holiday period. So overall, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape in terms of harvest activity over the next seven days, and we should see another substantial jump in the number of or percent of the crop that has been harvested. Thanks so much, Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for a check of your midday sports, and here to do it, the Padre, Scott Foster. Day two of the state volleyball tournament is underway in Lincoln. In Class D at PBA, St. Francis defeated Lawrence Nelson in D2. And in D1, Pleasanton's trip to the state title was cut one game short as they lost in four sets to defending champion Archbishop Bergen. So Pleasanton will compete for third place tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Lincoln East, locally Bertrand and Overton both lost yesterday. An interesting game taking place at 1 o'clock in C1 is undefeated St. Paul takes on 33-2 and two Broken Bow. State football playoffs continue today in classes A, B, C1, C2, and Six-Man. We'll have an interesting game this afternoon as Eustace Farnham looks to continue its storybook season as they take on McCool Junction. You can hear that game on Cami Country Legends starting at 350. After a 38-10 win over in-state rival Kansas, the number 20th-ranked Kansas State football team improves to 6-2 on the season. K-State has traditionally fared well in the month of November, and Wildcat head coach Chris Kleiman has only lost two games in the past five Novembers, dating back to his years at North Dakota State. But it won't be easy to continue that trend when the Wildcats travel to 5-3 Texas. Kleiman breaks down what makes the Longhorn defense so tough. They have great length uh, on defense. They're really physical. Uh, they run to the ball really well. Uh, there's pressures coming from all over the place, and uh, you know we'll have our hands full, making sure that uh, we can protect Skyler. You know we have to be able to run the football some. You know are they going to allow us to rush the football like we did last week? Probably not. So we have to find some ways to um, be creative and be efficient in the passing game. The Wildcats were picked ninth in the Big 12 preseason poll and are now in a tie for third with four regular season games remaining. Kickoff is set for 2.30 Saturday afternoon in Austin. Rick Pitino, one of those names that you just always think about in college basketball, has agreed to coach the Greek national team and lead its efforts to qualify for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. The Greek Basketball Federation says Pitino will be officially presented on Monday, when details of his agreement will be announced, the 67-year-old American coached Greek club Panathinaikos last season and guided the team to victories in the country's cup competition before returning to the United States. He remains popular among Greek fans despite his outspoken criticism of smoking and rowdy behavior by spectators at the games. Now, of course, Patino spent much of his career jumping between the college ranks and the NBA, coaching for the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks, as well as Kentucky and Louisville. That'll do it for sports right now. For sports anytime, you can go to krvn.com. I'm Scott Foster. Sean Jacobs, Warning Coordination Meteorologist of the North Platte Weather Service, talked about preparing for this winter and its possible severity. Most importantly, be prepared before the storm strikes. That means getting your farm, your ranch, your home ready, making sure those fuel levels in your generators are you know, at their highest levels, making sure that your carbon monoxide detectors are working, your 
fire alarms are working, making sure that if you're in, caught out in your car, you have a winter survival kit. We also like to say, make sure that you have an official source for weather information. Jacobs also added to make sure to prepare a survival kit for your home and transportation and to follow local sources of updated weather alerts. One man suffered a gunshot wound and two others were stabbed at a southwest Lexington residence Thursday evening. Lexington Police Chief Tracy Wolf says rescue and law enforcement were dispatched to a residence in the 800 block of West Maple Street at 8.41 p.m. All three victims were transported to the Lexington Regional Health Center. 27-year-old Rodney Ochoa is still under medical care for a gunshot wound. 31-year-old Derek Davis was arrested after receiving medical attention from a knife wound. His initial charges include attempted murder, robbery, and use of a weapon to commit a felony. 26-year-old Ahmed Muhammad is still under medical care for a knife wound with charges pending. 22-year-old Marco Ochoa was cited and released for possession of marijuana with intent to distribute. According to Chief Wolf, the initial call to the Maple Street residence was in reference to an individual who had suffered a gunshot wound. A short time later, rescue and law enforcement personnel were dispatched to a residence near Prospect Road and Plum Creek Parkway where the two men that were stabbed had fled. Troopers with the Nebraska State Patrol have arrested a Minnesota man and, and seized hundreds of packages of THC products following a traffic stop in Custer County. A trooper stopped a vehicle for speeding at 5 p.m. Wednesday around 10 miles west of Sargent. A canine from the Custer County Sheriff's Office detected the presence of a controlled substance in the vehicle. The troopers searched the vehicle and found hundreds of containers of THC products along with four pounds of marijuana. The search revealed 386 containers of THC wax, 144 packages of THC shatter, 62 THC vape cartridges, and 39 containers of THC edibles and liquid products. The driver, Anthony Colby, 30, of Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, was arrested and lodged in the Custer County Jail for possession of a controlled substance, possession of marijuana, more than one pound possession with intent to distribute, and possession of drug paraphernalia. That's your afternoon news from the Rural Radio Network. I'm Scott Foster. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue led a trade mission to Mexico this week and held a conference call yesterday with reporters. The mission is working on forging new opportunities with U.S. agriculture's largest bilateral trading partner and second largest export market, Mexico. Purdue gives us an idea of the importance of the meeting and possible future ones. Business is done on a, on a person-to-person basis and really just the building on the trust relationship that we have our, with our neighbors to the south. It was good to visit with Secretary Villalobos again. I invited him again to the Ag Outlook Forum, and uh, he is accepted, and we hope to have uh, what we're calling the Western Hemisphere Ag 5 here at the Ag Outlook Forum, our uh, colleagues from Canada, Brazil and Argentina, where we can continue to uh, strategize over Western Hemisphere agricultural issues. Purdue says one of the issues they discussed on the mission was labor. He adds they are encouraging Mexico to help pre-certify workers, especially in the southeast, to come to the U.S. for economic opportunities. To uh, work with us in that way, they seem very interested in that, and uh, obviously it would be a win-win situation. Our agricultural producers here need the, uh, need the labor, and uh, hopefully as we're making progress over modernizing our H-2A rules and uh, hopefully having some uh, 
legislative uh, input uh, coming soon that can facilitate that. And uh, we uh, we found Mexico to be very interested in that. Obviously, they're interested in raising the standard of living uh, in southeastern Mexico particularly. Purdue says there was an agreement in a modernized H-2A program which would help eliminate untrustworthy recruiters and other problematic issues. The, the benefit of the, the win-win situation that I see is that they and I feel like it would also help to resolve the, as they think, the irregular immigration or illegal immigration that we've been plagued by, by having an avenue for these people to come in a legitimate to government-to-government type of certified program. Of course, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement is on everyone's mind as the days for it to be voted on by the House of Representatives become fewer and fewer. Purdue says U.S. Trade Secretary Robert Lighthizer has been working on the Democratic issues. Be done. We're just anxious to get those things done sooner rather than later. I think uh, the later it goes, the longer it becomes possible to become entangled in uh, politics that it would not be helpful to uh, the agreement, and we certainly don't want to forfeit that uh, uh, on the altar of, uh, of politics in that way. Closer to home, Purdue discussed the disaster declaration and payments as many areas, including in North Dakota, are facing harvest challenges. Certainly the interesting thing on the disaster provision of, that was passed this spring is that it was capped at uh, a finite amount of $3.2 billion, and we have several types of disasters. Many people think of hurricanes or fires, but as you know, flooding and uh, prevented planning has been uh, a problem early on. And now uh, in the Dakotas, the, the flooding of harvest and the potential of uh, freeze coming in and not being able to get the beets or potatoes out of the ground. Uh, as far as how quickly that could be turned around, we would go the insurance route initially to determine the degree of damage. But the challenge will be, the uh, while the money was capped, the time period was all the way through 2019. Purdue also discussed the second installment of market facilitation payments looked to be coming out at the end of the month. In terms of future or third installment, he says they are looking for the China market to be open before that happens. We're hopeful that uh, the trade would uh, supplant any type of farm aid needed in 2020 in that regard. As farmers, you remember when they when we began, the, the mantra would they would rather have trade than aid, and that's what President Trump has focused on in uh, making sure that we reset these trade policies where our producers and much of the U.S. economy has been treated unfairly uh, through the years. Purdue also weighed in on a continuing resolution for the USDA budget. Since budget talks are stalling and Congress will likely need a stopgap spending measure for February or March, according to the Senate's top appropriator on Thursday. The last funding patch expires November 21st, just before Congress takes its Thanksgiving recess. Absolutely. We'd love to see uh, a budget deal done even prior prior to this uh, latest or the most recent CR being uh, exhausted from an executive perspective, from a management perspective, the sooner we can know the resources that we have to do to deal with and to uh, utilize, the better it is. The trade mission was not just meetings, but also brought in an American tradition before a flag football game with youth. Then we had a little fun in the afternoon with a uh, NFL promotion event, playing kids uh, with flag football there. It was sort of a highlighting an American kind of tailgate party with uh, healthy foods and uh, 
a lot of uh, entertainment around a field, and then uh, I got to play around with some kids in the flag, flag football. Uh, I had no idea that uh, American football was as popular as it is in Mexico, but they've got over, I think, over three to four million Mexican kids playing American flag football. And so uh, we had a little opportunity to visit with them. Purdue says overall the trade mission was a success, generating new export opportunities with around 600 business-to-business meetings. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shabella Guzman. Time for your midday business report. Filling in for Dave, who was filling in for Bob, is filling in for, well, you're Scott Foster. So this is like a Scooby-Doo day. Just whoever shows up with a mask on is who we're going to put on the microphone. And, Ruby-roo. And, and uh, well, uh, okay, here I am. Yeah, holy shnikes there, uh, Scoob. Uh, looks, like the, uh, looks, looks like the Dow is off a little bit today. Well, just a little bit. The overnights weren't great uh, in the world markets. The Japanese Nikkei, though, was up 61. However, the Hang Seng was... Down 218 in the European markets of FTSE, down 46 in the DAX index, which has had a really good week, was down 60 also today in the United States markets. The Dow is down just not a lot, 46 right now. NASDAQ up 12 in the Standard & Poor is down just slightly. Big losers so far in uh, the stock markets today. The Gap not doing so well, along with News Corp. The gainers, uh, you can count uh, Xerox, which I didn't even know still existed, and Walt Disney as uh, some of the gainers out there, too. President Trump on Friday dismissed a Chinese official's assertion that his administration has agreed to roll back some of the higher tariffs it imposed on the Chinese goods. The Chinese official had said Thursday that the two sides had agreed to a phased cancellation of their tariff hikes as part of an emerging agreement. Trump's pushback suggested the negotiations haven't progressed as far as he'd hoped, and the world's two biggest economies struggled to negotiate an end to their trade war, which has hurt both economies. Stocks tumbled this morning, trading on Wall Street as investors grew more uncertain about prospects for a trade deal between the U.S. and China as we continue that roller coaster ride. The major stock indices are mixed with only the Nasdaq slightly positive, but they remain near record highs yet to, since set yesterday. Energy stocks are among the biggest decliners in the early going as the price of oil dipped. Chinese trade with the United States contracted again in October, despite optimism about a possible deal aimed at ending tariff war and threatens global economic growth. A government report shows China's imports of U.S. goods fell 14% from a year earlier, while exports to the United States sank 16%. China's global exports sank uh, almost a percentage point from a year earlier. And finally, German exports rose unexpectedly in September, fueling speculation that Europe's biggest economy may avoid sliding into a shallow recession by posting negative growth for the third quarter of the year. Germans, Germany's statistic agencies says exports rose a monthly 1.5 in September, and uh, August decline was revised to show that the exports only fell by about a percentage point. Something just into the KRVN uh, AM control here. It doesn't have anything to do with business, but because it is of note, just want to spend a moment talking about it. This the very latest from the Nebraska State High School Volleyball hmm. Championships. BDS beat Why Not 3-2 to two in the fifth set. Okay. Now, that in and of itself is not necessarily you know, newsworthy. Right. However, BDS in the fifth set beat Why Not 15-2. to two. 
Oh, wow. And what's wow. even more incredible than that, BDS, Bruning Devaport Chickley, mm-hmm. the Eagles, in the set on a 13-0 run. So somebody served 13 points. Somebody served 13 wow. consecutive points. And I, I don't know that I have ever even heard of that. And you know, it's certainly a rarity. So I just wanted to congratulations to BDS. They advance when a five-cent win after 13 consecutive points in the fifth set. You know, momentum in volleyball is an amazing thing, as you know. And I coached it. And, boy, it just takes a couple turns, and it's all over. That is exactly right. That's the very latest for you on the business side. And uh, news news coming up. Meat exports are looking good, but are the Hong Kong protests starting to have an effect on the bottom line? We go to an Asian meat export expert to ask the question here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Meat exports are looking good according to the latest data from USDA that was compiled by the U.S. Meat Export Federation, or USMEF, just ahead of their Tucson annual conference. In September exports, U.S. beef was steady with last year in volume, but export value did trend lower than the previous September. September exports totaled to 109,799 metric tons, essentially even with the previous year, but it was only valued at 661.3 million, down 4%. Through the first three quarters of the year, beef exports were 2% below last year's record pace in both volume at over 991,000 metric tons and value at $6.1 billion. September pork exports did increase 13% from a year ago in both volume at over 202,000 metric tons and in value as well at $532.2 million. These results pushed January-September export volumes 5% ahead of last year's pace at 1.9 million metric tons, while values increased 2% to $4.89 billion. While not on the scale of U.S.-China trade rift, the Hong Kong protests have now been ongoing for nearly nine months, and they've impacted many local food retailers. Joel Haggard, USMEF Senior Vice President for the Asia-Pacific Region, looks at how the protests have impacted meat sales and quite possibly exports from the U.S. Overall trade numbers for meat and poultry going into Hong Kong were in a uh, declining trend before the protests started two or so weeks ago, and that's because of the, uh, the decline in reactivity and the increase in direct China imports. In terms of the local markets, I would say that the protests have had localized impact, retail and F&B outlets, but the decline in tourism, which has been significant, has resulted in a significant decline in overall retails, retail sales. So it's difficult to give you a number in terms of retail food and beverage sale decline, but we're hearing numbers in the range of 10 to 30%. So some restaurants have closed, they're in protest areas. The protest activity is uh, is now uh, on a on a week weekend evening scale. Wherever the protests are, you'll see food and beverage establishments and all retail establishments in the protest area closed. But in terms of you know overall beef demand, I'd say it's still a minimal impact because where the restaurant loses the the business, the neighborhood retailer is gaining it. I know that's quite long-winded. Just one last thought there. ASF 
African swine fever has had a severe impact on China's fresh pork supply. So that they're pre, uh, pre-ASF, they were importing about 4,000 hogs a day. That's down to somewhere around 1,600 head per day. So there's an opportunity there to fill that with imported pork and other imported proteins. The protests do not look to be ending in the near future. The very first convictions from early protest arrest are now just coming down, and it doesn't seem to be phasing the core group of protesters. This could mean longer-running impacts on meat exports to the region. Thanks for listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. The grains reacted a little differently to the USDA WASDE report and looked like spread unwinding in some regards too, John? Yeah, you know, we kind of settled out really right where we started today, down a little bit on soybeans, but for the week they're actually a little higher. Uh, we markets you know, a little bit heavy, I think, into the close, and that'll be, I guess, my nervousness going into next week is that KC market, I think, is on its way to 4 bucks on the December. That'll keep rallies in December of corn in check. But uh, all in all here, I mean, we got the yield the yield cut. You know, we could have, I think, the real bears had a, you know, maybe a raisin yield. So that uh, that didn't happen. That maybe opens the door to another cut down the road. And I think one of these grain stocks numbers is going to show us that uh, the USDA is wrong here on, on what their production numbers are. But I think that's six months down the road. So in the near term, I think it's really about basis. And I'd be trading that basis if, if out east here, it's really, really strong. So I think the board should be somewhat supported here. I don't think a big break below 370s in the cards, even though that's what we've seen the last couple of delivery periods. Um, but I do think if you see a move above like 380, 385, you probably need to get selling on the December. What about the uh, stocks to use ratio? Has that been tightening on any of these grains? Well, no, not today. We actually saw a widen out on beans because they dropped the demand and didn't change the yield. Uh, they tightened a little bit on wheat as they raised exports uh, and dropped the production a little bit. Um, but on the corn, again, it was kind of an offsetting factor. They they dropped the yield and they dropped demand as well in all three categories, ethanol exports and feed and residual, which was kind of a shocker to me that feed and residual is lower considering all the demand for, for our livestock that we have in this country. But that's neither here nor there. Short term here, I think it's a, uh, a sideways trade for the next couple of weeks. Probably a little bit lower, and I expect us to probably close the month on the low, and I think that's when you want to be buying March. So if I'm owning anything, I wouldn't own it yet. I think you can let the market kind of chop around here. Uh, look to buy breaks, say sub-370 on the March. If you can get a chance to do that, that would be a fantastic opportunity. And you look at uh, the numbers as far as harvested acres. There are some you know, differing opinions here. Those northern areas will probably get harvested on the uh, frozen ground, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, like I said, the USDA Wildsy reports aren't going to show this. I think it's going to be these quarterly numbers. So end of the year, we'll get a report. We'll get a report at the end of March. you get a report at the end of... Uh at the end of June, those three reports there, I think that's when the, when, the, when everything will kind of expose itself. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Be sure to go to the website, DanielsAgMarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.